Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kate Cabot, Scott Patsko and I are doing fill in the blanks from our Football Insider subscribers. We go through all things about the offense, defense, special teams, uh, everything our Football Insider subscribers wanted to talk about fill in the blank style. Uh, So that's coming up after I tell you about Football Insider. It's cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get a daily newsletter newsletter delivered straight to your inbox. Access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns. And you can become one of our text subscribers, which is where we get these questions from. So, cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the info and get signed up. All right, let's do this. Our Wednesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Here we go on our Wednesday Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are doing fill in the blank. We asked our football insiders to send us some fill in the blank questions. And as they always do, they came through for us. So we'll get to as many as we can here over the next 30 minutes or so from the 554, I'm sorry, the 330 area code. Uh, The position group most in need of a trade deadline addition is blank. Included a name too. Jim in Boardman is asking this question. Um, so the position group most in need of a trade deadline addition is blank. Hmm. You go ahead, Scott. You got something? <laughs> I, I don't know that there's any position that I would say they need to bring someone in here to be a starter because what they have isn't cutting it. And this team's dealing with a lot of injuries right now. And you could point to most positions and say, well, you know, if they're healthy, they're okay. Uh, and they're going to get, I mean, however long any of these guys are out, they're going to get, you know, them back at some point. So it's weird to think about this. The Browns are in a position that they don't really need immediate help anywhere. I just, I don't think there's a position that stands out for me. And I think we probably felt like that even going into the season. We, you know, said many times how good this roster looked um, and their depth is going to be tested here in the media future. But I, I don't know. I, there's nothing that jumps out to me. You know, the thing that first came to my mind and I'm, I'm going to roll with it was the defensive backfield and specifically probably cornerback. And I don't necessarily think it has to be a starter, but of course, MJ Stewart now went on IR for at least three weeks today. Uh, and, and he is your, you know, basically your backup slot and he can do a lot of other things too. He can, he's so versatile. He can play safety. He can play cornerback. Uh, so he's out for a while. Uh, Greg Newsom has the calf injury. He may or may not be back this week, but the thing with that calf is you have to hope that that doesn't kind of linger on a little bit or that he doesn't, 
uh, re-injure that as he goes along. And then Denzel, you know, Denzel, every year he's going to miss some games. I mean, they just know that it's built in to the program that, that he's probably going to miss three or four games. He injured his neck uh, in this past game. And I don't know if he's going to miss time or not, but he's another one that you kind of have to keep an eye on. So that was the first thing that came to my mind. You can never have enough really good cornerbacks. And even if uh, they went out and they got one who is a starting caliber cornerback, you're going to find a way to use them because look what happened in, in, in that game in, uh, in LA. I mean, they were holding it together there with, with smoke and mirrors. So I'm going cornerback is the place where I would most likely make a trade. Yeah, I think that's that's sort of one of the areas to start with, uh, maybe depth on your offensive line. But I think that's sort of what you're looking at is, is depth and maybe mm-hmm. finding somewhere that, um, that that you can maybe bring in a guy for a low cost. I don't know, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh, something like that and see what you can do. I mean, Stefan Gilmore just went for a 2023 sixth. So you can find some guys out there. And I mean, if Stefan Gilmore is going for a 2023 sixth, you can find probably a, an undervalued guy somewhere without giving up too much. I don't think this is a situation where you're giving up a high draft pick for anybody. Cause I just, I'm kind of with Scott. I don't think there's some pressing need for a starting caliber player. If you brought anybody in, it would be more as a, as a depth piece, even if he was a starter, like you said, Mary Kay. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me find uh, let me find another one here. Let's stick with this defensive back thing. There will be blank starting defensive backs available for the Cardinals game. It's getting a little dicey. Mm. That that's let's a good. Let's see. Den- Denzel's question. dealing with the neck. Mm-hmm. MJ Stewart's on IR, although he's not a starter. Um, Greg Greg. Newsom, the calf. Okay. Greedy reinjured. Greedy reinjured his shoulder. The shoulder. Um, now, I've been told that he's fine, okay, and that, that he feels good, but a player thinking that he feels good and then, you know, going on a Cybex machine or whatever and figuring out what kind of strength you have sometimes are two different things. And this is the shoulder that kept him out all of last season with the axillary nerve damage, the same shoulder. Uh, so that, that has to be at least of mild concern. So, you know, I, I think... Like I said, I, I've heard he's going to be okay and that he plans to play. But I, I think there are some question marks. Um, let's say or if we count Greedy as a starter, are we going to count Greedy as yeah, a starter? Yeah, let's, let's count him as a – let's do it just because we don't know Greg Newsom's status. Okay. All right. Uh and the question was starting defensive backs. How many starting defensive backs would be available? So John Johnson, Ronnie Harrison, Grant Delpit should all be available. Yeah. So it's really kind of how many, which corners do you think are going to be out? That's really the other yeah. way to frame this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I think Greg Newsom might need one more game. And then Denzel is just going to be a matter of, of how serious that neck was. And we just don't really know yet. So I'm going to say two, two of the three starters will be available. Uh, they, they've used five cornerbacks this season. If you don't count MJ Stewart, they've only used five in games. Um, and then Richard LeCount has kind of gone back and forth between being active and not active. So he's still out there as an option in the back. Um, 
I mean, MJ Stewart was always kind of like that, an emergency guy. And so you, you know, you figure you're losing that. I mean, man, yeah, we don't really know who's going to be back, but I, they're going to have enough, obviously, to field a team and to be competent out there. You're going to have AJ Green out there more than you probably want him to be out there. Uh, but he is, and Troy Hill obviously can move around. The problem is what happens in the slot um, if Troy Hill has to move outside. We saw MJ Stewart do that. So who, who takes that role? Uh, do you start putting Grant Delpit in there? Uh, kind of in an emergency, he's going to get more slot looks than he really should kind of situation. Um, that's probably where the big question is because your first your first move is – to move him outside to take care of any, you know, if Newsom isn't ready, if Denzel Ward isn't ready, it's, it's that slot position. What's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Newsom's the interesting one because they didn't put him on IR, which made you think at least initially, they didn't think he would miss three games. So this would be that, that third game now that they would IR to me would have missed. So I, I will, we'll hear from Kevin on Wednesday and get an idea of if Newsom will be able to go on Sunday or not. He's ruled him out really early the last two weeks. So I kind of feel like Newsom might be back this week, but um, you know, I don't know about Denzel. Denzel's the tough one. I, I just don't know. And these, these Cardinals receivers are playing well. You know, DeAndre Hopkins makes a play every game that I just like stop and have to go rewatch. And he made like three of them on Sunday. And then AJ Green is AJ Green again. I mean, he's not quite the player he was in Cincinnati, but he's, he's making plays for him. So that, this is a challenge if, if they're shorthanded and the defensive back. Yeah, when I think about Denzel uh, leaving the game early on like he did in the first half of the game and then missing the whole rest of the game and being ruled out, it, you know, it kind of makes you think that this was serious enough that, you know, that maybe he might have to miss this week. Maybe not bad enough to go on IR for three weeks, but maybe something where he has to miss a game or maybe even two. And in that scenario, uh, you just might need to call Greg Newsom back into the fold, maybe a little quicker than you wanted to. But they also have that dynamic coming up of two games in four days. Okay. So I think the two games in four days might, it will, it will dictate how you manage some of these injuries. Because you, you don't want to lose, you know, bring a guy back on Sunday, then you don't have him again for Thursday. Such a quick turnaround uh, against the, uh, the Cardinals and then the Broncos. So I think there's a strategy in play here. Because if you can get past these two games, then you've got a mini bot, you know. You, somebody can, like, heal up for 10 days or so. So uh, they're going to have to figure out how they want to do this and yet get through a football game like you mentioned, Dan, that, that's going to – be challenging from an aerial standpoint for sure. And they don't really have anybody on the practice squad right now that, uh, that we've seen before, like, you know, who's with outside of Javante Moffat, who's really mostly a safety. Um, they, they really don't have a corner or just a defensive back that we saw during training camp that, you know, can kind of maybe have an idea of what they can do or was with them last year and got some time. They just, they don't have that guy. Uh, so yeah, getting healthy is really important for that group. All right, so this comes from the 602 area code, and it's it's really funny how narratives change in the league week to week. I mean, for two weeks, the Browns defense was, you know, Browns fans were losing their minds over how great it was, and now this week, 
you know, I had somebody reply to a tweet today that um, I, I tweeted out a photo of a typo in a game I was watching. It said third and 91 and, and somebody tweeted back at me, oh, the Browns defense would probably just give that up. It's, <laughs> so Browns fans change week to week, apparently, uh, how they think about things. So here's why we're going to do this one from the 602 area code. After five games, the Browns defense is blank. Now, before we do that, I just want to ask really quickly on the third and 91, do you think that Kevin Stefanski was, <laughs> That was from midfield, by the way, from midfield. It was, it was at the 50 yards. <laughs> it was actually third and nine, but, uh, you know. All right. I'm sorry. I just had to, I had to get that in there. So tell us the, the blank after, again. Um, after five games, the Browns defense is blank. Limping. Uh, the defense is good. It's just, you know, all of a sudden you went from, you know, this group that gelled and was dominant from back-to-back games to who they're going to put on the field this week. You know, it just, everything just crashed and it wasn't totally, I mean, you could point to most of the issues they had uh, against the chargers um, being due to not having their best group of talent out there. I know they had the one issue with Harrison and, and Johnson and one time when Mike Williams got free, those guys are going to be out there regardless. But, you know, the other one, you had A.J. Green trying to communicate with Grant Delpit, um, which wasn't good. And, like, the, their first touchdown, the Chargers' first touchdown, you had Miles Garrett was off the field, Denzel Ward was off the field, Greedy Williams, I believe, might have been off the field at that point. You're, you had uh, J.O.K. was off the field on that one. You had Taki Taki out there, Mac Wilson, um, Joe, ja- Joe Jackson was uh, one of your edge rushers along with McKinley. It just was not the A team. You know, it was, it was, some of it was substitution. Some of it was injury. It just, you know, I said after the game, they didn't get the best version of the Browns defense for sure. And I think that's probably what you're most concerned about if you're going to fill in that blank. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree with that. People, you know, the sky is not falling on this defense right now. I mean, they went into the game without Greg Newsom. They went into the game uh, without Jadavian Clowney as a su- uh, surprise scratch when his knee flared up before the game. He was supposed to play in that game. Miles went into the game, banged up already. They lost Denzel early. That game to me was all about the injuries. And that's not an excuse. That's reality. That is just the absolute reality of a football game when you've got five or six key guys either not playing or being lost in the middle of the football game. You just have to do so much juggling, and it's such a fast-paced game in a shootout. It's it's hard to have your act down and your act together when, uh, when that kind of revolving door is happening. So my opinion of the defense hasn't changed. I would fill in the blank by still saying dangerous because this is a dangerous defense and Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and company will find that out if they have to face the Cleveland Browns again, and they're healthy in that particular matchup, because this was not anything like what they're going to experience uh, when those guys are intact. I, I do think for as many points as they gave up and for as good as Justin Herbert looked, they actually did make him pretty uncomfortable in this game. I mean, that was actually statistically one of his worst games of the year. He only completed 60% of his passes. Now he threw for 398 yards, which was um, his season high. But, you know, when you really watched, you could just tell they, 
there were some missed throws. There were some throws that were wide behind guys. He had to scramble out of pressure a little bit. I mean, Justin Herbert's just a stud, right? But I do think the Browns kind of made him uncomfortable, especially when I went back and rewatched it. It just felt like they made him uncomfortable. And that just turned into one of those games where like, there weren't going to be many stops. And sometimes that happens in football. Again, the offenses just get going and there aren't going to be many stops. You know, I would say they're, they're still promising. I, I have no reason to not believe that this defense isn't going to keep getting better. You know, Jeremiah Wusu-Kormo played a ton of snaps on Sunday. Uh, first time that's really happened that he's played that many. John Johnson needs to get – is still figuring out his role. You know, Clowney's going to be back, and, and that's, that has that domino effect of making Tack McKinley your third edge rusher again, which is where he's been really good this year. They're going to be fine. They're, they're going to get Greg Newsom back. And they're going to figure this stuff out. And they're still, it's only week five, this defense. And Anthony Walker even said this last week. It's not about being great in week five. You want to be great later in the season. You're building towards something. If they were at their peak now, they'd be more concerned. So you're, you're building this thing. So I, I don't, it wasn't great on Sunday, but I, I think there were some good things. And, and I think there's still a chance. I, I'm still very bullish on this defense as it sounds like, um, as it sounds like we all are. Okay. Mm-hmm. This one. Do you want to say something, Mary Kay? Uh, no, the, I think the only thing I wanted to say was that I think there's still a lot of upside potential for a lot of guys that, uh, you know, that are still trying to find their way, whether they're veterans or young guys. For instance, John Johnson III, you know, I thought it was pretty telling last week when he came out and, you know, we were asking him about his, his really low rankings and, you know, just how he was not performing the way that, you know, you would expect him to. And he basically said, look, this is the first time that I've ever been in that sort of deep safety post position primarily. And I'm just kind of figuring it out. So I think he's going to get better either in that role or they'll find other roles for him where he can succeed and do a little bit better. I think Malik Jackson, I mean, the arrow is pointing up on him. Geez, he, he has like, he's going to be really, really good as a dominant tackle. I think JOK, we've talked about that before. That, uh, that he's got a, a long way to go in terms of getting better. And then the same thing with uh, Greg Newsom and, um, and Grant Delpit. You know, these guys are just playing their first NFL games. So I think the future is very, very bright for this defense this season. And I, I do think they're going to be humming along as long as they're healthy in November and December. The thing that I do worry a little bit about for them is the fact that you know, when you have a knee flare up like that with Jadavian before a game, you know, that's, that's a concern because, you know, he has had so many issues with both knees. You know, you just don't want him to have to get to the point where he's like, I have to have another surgery and I can't do this. And then Miles, you know, it, it is a, a concern that he is struggling with knee and ankle injuries because you just really don't want to lose those two powerful edge guys. All right. This comes from Ken in Florida. Kevin Stefanski will improve the offense by blank. Throwing it's on third funny. and nine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's, it's still so funny to me, and, and I understand it. It's so funny to me that we talk about improving the offense when they scored 42 points and had 500 yards. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there, there, were, there were some issues here and there, but <laughs> throwing on third and nine, that's a good place to start. Well, you know, I think that um... – the passing game just really hasn't reached anywhere near its potential yet for a number of reasons. Uh, I think one of the big reasons has been the left tackle situation. I think that that, that hasn't helped matters to lose Jed and to be in a state of flux. 
that way with your protection. I think it has impact impacted some of Kevin Stefanski's play calling in certain situations. I think Jarvis Landry being out has uh, had a big, huge impact on the passing game. Odell Beckham Jr. coming back and still, you know, trying to find his way with Baker Mayfield is an enormous issue right now. Uh, and we're not sure how that's going to go. And Anthony Schwartz was supposed to be a big contributor contributor early on. And he hasn't been able to be that because he missed so much darn time throughout the off season and through training camp. So that's not what they thought it was going to be. Um, and, you know, Austin Hooper and Baker, I think they have sort of, it's like Odell and Baker light, like, like they just don't really have it together that much either in the passing game. I mean, Austin Hooper does a lot of other things really well, great blocker and uh, just, you know, he, he contributes in many ways, but from a passing game standpoint, I don't think it's anywhere near where it needs to be yet. And so they need to find a way to get it up to speed. But just like we talked about with some of the defensive guys, there's so much room for improvement in this area that I think that once they figure it out and they have a late buy, so they can't wait till the buy to get it figured out this year. But once they start to get some of these things figured out they're I think they're going to really be a million times better in December when they need to be. And then, you know, January, maybe even into February, I think it's going to get a lot better. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't think there are like issues, major issues with this offense at all. I think however you want to rank them like by DVOA, they're sixth. So, I mean, it's an efficient offense and yeah, their run game is a lot better than their past game right now, but um, pretty much whatever personnel group they use, uh, among the, the ones they use the most, like 11 and 12 and 13, they're, they're over 50% uh, in success rate. So they, they're doing fine on offense. Maybe one way to improve things is do better on fourth down. Uh, I like the fact that they go for it so much, um, but they just, it's like a comedy of errors on fourth down. It's always something different. It's, you know, a bad snap or a blown block or a drop or, you know, whatever it's, they just cannot, get consistent uh, production on fourth down and they go for it in good situations too. Um, so that's one way and maybe uh, getting more consistent throwing downfield. Um, I don't want to make this all about Odell again, but obviously <laughs> that's, that's part of that. Uh, but I think overall the offense is fine. Um, you know, it's just like you said, Dan, they scored 42 points. That's, that should be enough to win. Yeah. I, I think my answer is probably just unlocking Odell just kind of going back to that. If he can figure out a way to unlock Odell in this offense, that, that changes it. And I just, you know, they've got to get this, this passing game figured out. He's got to figure out how to get Baker throwing the ball accurately down the field again. And I, you know, I, I think that's where it's at. I, I mean, I think they got all those yards and all those points. And I think a whole lot of it was Nick Chubb and honestly, Kevin Stefanski. I, I think those two guys, and Kevin obviously wasn't great down the stretch, but I think those two guys are the two guys that get the most credit for all those points on, for all those yards on Sunday. I mean, there were a lot of easy throws and, and a lot of really ske- good schemed up stuff in that game from Kevin. So I, I think they're going in the right direction. I think if you unlock Odell Beckham, if you can figure that out somehow, um, that, that's kind of the, that, that's really the next step for this offense. Okay, we got some people that sent in a bunch, so let's do some uh, some kind of lightning rounds here as, as we wrap this thing up. From the 614 area code, Scott, I know you love predictions, so we'll do this one. <laughs> the Browns' next win will be against blank. Jeez, 
We have to do our, our game prediction here on uh <laughs> we're not gonna hold on a Wednesday. Um <clears throat> I mean look, I they, it's gonna be a while before they go into a game where I'm thinking they're really the underdog here. Now we there's a lot of unknowns about this week just because of the health of, of people, but I mean they're at home for the next three weeks. So I they would have to I know the Cardinals are five and zero. Oh, but I mean, I think they're the favorite in these next three games. I'll say Sunday. I mean, to me, yeah, it's between Sunday and Thursday. It just depends what you think is going to happen Sunday. I'm leaning a little bit towards Thursday against the Broncos, but you know, I'm actually looking up. I want to see it. I'm assuming they're favored this week against the Cardinals. Um, but I, I want to just find out here as I, as I look for this. Uh, yeah, the Browns are favored by three points. So it's a home game for the Browns. So it's essentially, uh, they're, they're kind of just getting those three points for that reason. So, yeah, I, I you know, I don't know. Sunday's going to be crazy. I think there's going to be a lot of points. I think it's going to be a lot of up and down. Um, I, I really want to see how they handle that, but, uh, it's, it's going to be one of these next two. I'll say Thursday. I think the Browns will be four and three going into that little mini bye week and people might panic a little bit on Sunday if they lose, but I, I don't think there's going to be any reason to panic. Uh, if they do, I mean, they've lost twice. And in both those games on the road against really good teams, they had double digit leads in the third quarter. So yeah, I think this team can hang with just about anybody and you should probably go into every game thinking the Browns have a legitimate chance to win. Yeah, they, no, for sure. I mean, they've lost to two teams that have a chance to win the AFC and can't look Kansas city is struggling right now, but they're, they're still a, you know, one of the best teams in the league with Patrick Mahomes and the Chargers, I think, are as good as anybody either. There, I, I, anybody who listened to the Hey MK podcast heard me kind of say yesterday, I think there's this tier, this top tier of teams in the AFC. I put like five in there and I'm including Baltimore in that group. So the Chargers, the Chiefs, uh, the Ravens, the Bills and the Browns. That's that's kind of the top tier of teams that, that can win this conference. Uh, a couple more here as we go along. Here's a, Here's another prediction for you. So uh, our guy Ellis, who of course is no longer with us, predicted Baker would throw 30 touchdowns this season. Uh, he is up to four after the Chargers game. So this fill in the blank is Baker Mayfield will throw for blank touchdowns this year. This comes from Jim in Olmstead Falls. Well, that's open ended. We could say today, tomorrow, <laughs> or the entire season. Did we get to make up our answer? I think you uh, just said this year. So okay, I guess the whole season. Uh, so I'm trying to do math here and figure out, uh, <laughs> let's see if he's at four now and there's, four. there's 12 games left. Let's say he throws, let's say he's he on, throws like, it's like a, a 10, a 10 TD pace. Um, so if he throws like an average of one and a half a game, the rest of the way, that would be 18. So I would put him at 22. So I'll say 25. Sure. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're, they're running really well. They're obviously, yeah. uh, I think I haven't checked lately. They got to be leading the league in rushing touchdowns. Cause I know they were, they had a ridiculous amount after a few games, like seven or something. Um, that's just the way it's happened in the red zone this year. Uh, I don't think he's going to get the 30. He's going to have to have a couple blowout games uh, where, you know, he just racks up some touchdowns to, to get that. Um, but if you, 
if things keep going the way they're going and they really lean on that running game when they get down there. Uh, yeah. I think he's definitely going to be under that. So I would, I mean, 23, 25 sounds, sounds right. And I think when all is said and done, if that's the number he ends up with, that's, uh, uh, that's not bad. I, I think you can live with that, you know, and, and really honestly, what matters is, is winning. Okay. Uh, last one here from the six, one, four area code, uh, through five games, the Browns need to clean up blank the most to continue having success. Through the next five games? Uh, or Well, this person said through the first. So basing it off oh. of the first five games, uh, 614 area code, the Browns need to clean up blank the most to continue having success. Hmm. How about hmm. – see, this is a tough one. What's the, I guess I mean what's the one thing you're most concerned about right now, if anything? Else, I I'd say Baker. I, I am con- I am a little bit concerned about, um, you know Baker just in in certain situations, you know pulling out a game, some of the passing issues that he's having. That game against Minnesota, I still have that in my mind, even though he rebounded in LA I still think that I still think he needs to take a step up I mean if this is a team that is going to try to go to the Super Bowl and and try to get past and I wrote a column about this yesterday I mean the bar is set really high with the Justin Herbert the Lamar Jackson's I mean my goodness look at that game Josh Allen you know the the quarterback play the level of play has been so good and so high and Kyler Murray coming up that, uh, you know, I, I think that I, I think Baker needs to step it up a notch. And it's almost one of those situations where you sort of feel like after the season, he's going to come out and he's going to say, I couldn't throw with this darn harness on my arm. That was really like impeding me. And it just wasn't, I wasn't able to be myself. I mean, <laughs> like the Browns keep saying that they don't think it has anything to do with it whatsoever. Uh, but even the way Baker answered it after the game, you know, like, how did that feel? He was like, Oh, same as last week. Well, we weren't really sure how it felt last week. Right. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it or not, but I think that's, I, I cannot help, but be a little bit concerned about uh, Baker and just his operation of the passing game. Yeah. We, it, it tends to be the following training camp and guys actually come clean about what they were going through the year before. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll get some new information from him, uh, you know, next fall, but I mean, health, obviously just getting healthy is, is the big thing for me. Um, getting a complete game or I guess getting a consistent game out of both sides of the ball for an entire game. You know, they haven't really done that yet. It's either been one team, one side doing really well, the other side struggling, or, you know, they just haven't put that together yet. And that's why they play all these close games for, you know, it's, it's either the offense racing out to a big lead and then the other team comes back or, or the, the offense struggling like they did in Minnesota and kind of like they did against, against the bears a little bit. Um, that's probably the biggest thing, just finding that consistency, getting everybody on the same track and blowing somebody out, like having, being able to rest people in the fourth quarter, you know, that's, that's something this team just rarely gets to do. 
Yeah, they haven't really played a, a complete three phases game. I'll say this one just because I think maybe we should talk about it just a little bit, even though I don't know that it's the actual answer. But um, how about let's talk about the punter? <laughs> I think there's mm-hmm. some concern here about about Jamie Gillen. And, you know, when you talk about special teams, the special teams are actually really good, I thought, outside of outside of the punting on Sunday. And Chase McLaughlin has pretty much locked down the kicking job. So we sort of turn our eyes to, to Jamie Gillen now, who is not off to a very good start. Um, I think I saw today he's the um, he's last in the league uh, in expected points added. So that's not great. So I, I don't know if that make that doesn't make or break your chances to win a Super Bowl, but it's certainly something that you don't want to have to think about when you're going into these these difficult games. Yeah, he's last or he's second to last in in average and net average. Um, but I guess the other side of that is he's only punted 15 times. I mean, this team goes for it so much on fourth down. Uh, he hasn't been in a ton of positions where he's really had to switch the field for them, you know. Um, but, yeah, Sunday against the Chargers would have been nice to get a, a better punt um, late in the game there after they couldn't move the ball with three minutes to go. Yeah, I mean, uh, who envisioned heading into the season – that you would not be worrying about the kicker at all, but that you would be worrying about the punter, right? <laughs> I mean, that, that really wasn't in the cards. And I continue to be amazed uh, that Chase McLaughlin has just taken uh, that, that whole worry off the table in terms of like, where does he even come from, right? <laughs> I mean, it's been pretty incredible. <laughs> but about uh, five but like other said, teams in two years. Yeah, it's just, it's bizarre. It really is bizarre. But, um, but anyways, yeah, that, the, the punting has been a little bit of a concern and obviously, uh, you know, with what happened in the opener as well, which was, uh, you know, just an egregious error there. But um, yeah, that's something, that's one area where they, they can really clean that up and, and pick it up a notch. All right. What better way to end our podcast than talking about punting? <laughs> That'll do it on our, uh, our fill in the blanks edition of uh, the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Thanks to our Football Insider subscribers for sending those in. Uh, if you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you've got to be. Go to cleveland.com slash Browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page to get all the information and get signed up. And of course, subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get it right there on your phone as soon as it publishes every morning at midnight, 12.01 a.m. It's going to be on your phone so you can't sleep. Uh, listen to us. Not that we're going to put you to sleep. That's not the idea here, but I'll get you through your last like half hour, 45 minutes before you actually can go to sleep. So uh, make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to your podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google as well. Uh, for Scott and Mary Cam, Dan, thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs>